this is crime culture and we're delirious. <laughs> it is. Ooh, big Ooh. yawn. I'm not there yet, but I will Ooh. be. I'm a little sleepy. Come here, yawn. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. They are contagious. All right, let they me. They are, let, but they shouldn't be contagious. Just like over a microphone. Everybody, let us know if you yawned as well. <sighs> Pavlovian response. Really though. Okay, so. <clears throat> so. Let's stop with this madness right now. And let's start with some banter. more madness. Um. Yeah. Different kind of madness. We are still on our spooky october grind still on our bullshit still on the bullshit and uh we're bringing you another one and it's one of my favorite ones because it is we're diving into an urban legend today and it's my favorite thing to do this is one of my least favorite urban legends though as a longtime babysitter yes this was my greatest fear well I'll, i'll get into it in a little bit um but yeah it was i thought of this every single time babysat too but um, we'll get into the stats about it and everything. So, if you didn't read the title or whatever, we're talking about the legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs. Yeah! And this urban legend dates back to the 1960s. And the basic premise is uh, this scenario. So, a teenage girl is babysitting at night. The children have been put to bed upstairs and the babysitter's downstairs watching TV. The phone rings, and the caller tells her to, quote, check the children. The babysitter dismisses the call as a prank and goes back to watching TV. The anonymous caller dials back several times, and eventually the babysitter calls the police, who inform her that they will trace the next call. After the stranger calls again, the police return her call, advising her to leave immediately. She runs out of the house, and the police meet her. They explain that the calls were coming from inside the house, and that the caller was uh, calling her after he had murdered the children upstairs. So that's yep. what we're working with. And then Camilla I'm, Bell goes crazy. Yes. I'm sure everyone <laughs> has heard of this uh, when a stranger calls scenario. That's kind of what it's become after the uh, after that infamous train movie. wreck of a movie. Well, the original. The original uh, was OK. Yeah. The Camilla I'm, Bell I'll, version. I'm going to talk about it and I, I can't wait to hear your review. <laughs> but um there's actually other variations like that that was the basic premise of the the original um urban legend but there's actually a couple variations that can come off that so uh one of them is that the caller turns out to either be one of the children or an elder sibling who decided to scare the babysitter as a prank and they get told off by the police i've never heard that version before yeah no that's that's a new one yeah uh another variation is that the babysitter is also killed yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard, heard that, that one. one. Yep. That was the one that was my biggest fear. I was like, uh-huh. fuck the kids. <laughs> You're a great babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one is that the babysitter manages to rescue the children and the caller uh, gets arrested by the police. I've heard that one before. Yep, I've heard that. That was the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that says, while being taken away by the police, the caller whispers, um, see you soon to the babysitter. Haven't fucking heard of that one. No, super not creepy. Not into it. That. Not into that. No, no. That's some Mary Vincent shit. I am not here for it. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a semi-related one that the babysitter goes upstairs to check on the children and sees an eerie face in the window, but brushes it off, which, how and why. Um, later, when the parents return home, the child is found dead. When the babysitter mentions the window, the parents are confused and say that there is no window, only a mirror. Yeah, not quite that, but I've almost lived that. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. The I, kid I don't lived. Like it. I almost died, but it yeah. was fine. Um, there are some versions where the um, prowler calls the babysitter and they make scary noises like giggling or heavy breathing. Yeah. Also in this version, uh, when the operator says that the calls were coming from the same house, the phone goes quiet. And when the <laughs> operator asks if the babysitter is still there, um, all they get is the same scary noises, meaning that the babysitter has already been killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's another one, too, where they're on the line and they're, like, asking the babysitter if they're there or something, and then there's a click, and the babysitter is still on. I vaguely remember something about huh. that. I don't think I have that one here. Um, well, another one that I found was... <laughs> bitch. I have nine... I, no, I, said, I have ten bitch. different versions of this. <laughs> Um, another one is that um, the children are with the babysitter watching TV. Um, the prowler starts uh, calling them, saying that he'll be there um, in a certain amount of time. Then after they get the news that the calls are coming from inside the house, they hear a door upstairs opening and then the sound of footsteps heading towards the room where they are. Um, this is actually the version that can be found in the scary stories to tell in the dark books. There's okay. a, a, a story in that yeah. uh, anthology that has that ending. Um, another one is that the babysitter hides the children, usually in a laundry basket or an empty trunk, which yep. you can tell or in this my is case, a dated a story. Yes. There was a walk-in pantry, and one time I thought somebody broke into the house that I was nannying for the family, and I legit shoved the kids into a pantry and grabbed a kitchen knife and was like, here we fucking go. They were See, sobbing. You're, you're a hero. <laughs> I'm not, because I would have just fucking booked it. But like yeah, the kids so the, are, the kids are in the pantry next to the Triscuits. Bye. Yeah, right. Lock them in there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after she uh, finds out that the phone calls are coming from inside the house, um, she's confronted with the killer. Um, he murders the babysitter and finds the children who hug him lovingly and discover that he is in fact their brother. The parents come home overjoyed to see their son come home from the bad place, possibly referring to an asylum or a prison. And the killer explains how he found the gift, the babysitter, waiting for him. And this suggests that the whole family is psychotic. The fuck is that shit? I've never heard of that. Me neither. I found that, that version. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Fuck that. Dislike. No. And then the last one I found was... Um, so the whole original story happens and then years later the babysitter who is now an adult has a family of her own and one evening she and her husband go to have dinner while a babysitter looks after their children um, the evening is going great until a waiter approaches their table and says that there's a phone call for her she answers the phone and hears did you check the children and um, this is actually the ending to some movie versions I was gonna say it made me think of like Michael Myers a little bit because doesn't she have like a kid of her own and then like the kid ends up being a target or something I mean that's how you perpetuate more sequels yeah I know you just but, gotta like, have to I have the original character have a connection 
Isn't uh, that like think, why the Terminator movies still exist? Because they keep fucking having children that become new targets? Yeah, and the Terminator can't die. I thought the Terminator could die. I thought that was the whole point. Like, he keeps coming back as a different version of himself. I haven't seen any of these movies, so I could be completely wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that I'll be back. But I thought I'll be back was he was saying that to somebody like, wait here, I'll be back. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about today. Oh, God. We'll be back on track. We'll be back. Um, so those were all the other variations that I had found of it. Some I had heard of. Some I were like, what? But um, I was also interested in, like, what is the meaning behind this story because like all urban legends um it serves as a cautionary tale that plays on the fears about coming of age pretty much that's what the hook legend was that we had talked about it was kind of like warding kids off from uh premarital sex and like hookup culture and all that stuff so who needs the bible (laughs) why not so, uh, most young girls' first job is babysitting, whether it's for mm-hmm. a neighbor, family, friends, cousins, mm-hmm. your Their own, own sibling. younger siblings. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's most girls' first job. It was definitely my first job. Yep. Um, all my friends were also babysitters. Yep. Um, and, and then some of us are unlucky enough to grow up and it becomes their lifelong career because they can't seem to marry an adult. That's true. And you have to babysit your uh, significant other or spouse. Is that your situation? No, thank God. Well, but it's Michael's. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, It's like having a perpetual babysitter. I'm very lucky. Perfect. Um, But anyway, this like scenario is, it's plausible enough that, um, Anyone with a sense of what it's like to be young and inexperienced, alone in a big unfamiliar house, caring for somebody else's children, like yeah, there's a lot it, going on. It's in the back of your head. Like I was, I wasn't even babysitting. I was dog sitting for a friend, and uh, I stayed at their house with the dog, and I swore either the house was haunted or somebody was in the house. And I literally slept with all the lights on. I might have told this story before, but like, I I was traumatized. I was. I told my friend, I was like, I literally cannot stay at your house again because I think it's Aww. haunted. <laughs> but like, that, the dog was great. He slept right by me the entire time. That actually reminds me. I I don't know if I blocked this out or what. I used to dog sit. There was a family I would babysit for, but then sometimes they'd go away and I would dog sit for them because I loved their dog. Their dog loved me back. It was a match made in heaven. And I remember one time distinctly, I did the same thing. Like I slept over and I nearly shit myself because I saw a dude in the window and I was like, holy shit, this is happening. This is actually happening. I don't have a security system to protect me. No one can hear me scream. I forgot that I ordered pizza. (laughs) Perfect. Yep. Yep. But I was, I was shaking, handing him his tip. (laughs) You just, uh, quite a courageous (laughs) person. just a true a Gryffindor. Fucking mess. Oh no, I'm a Hufflepuff. Definitely, <laughs> this may come as a shock, but I'm a Hufflepuff. Perfect. Um, but anyway, the backstory of this is um, so the voice on the phone it acts as almost um a conscience 
conscience a conscience asking did you check the children which scares the babysitter because they didn't and that's why they didn't know that the children had already been murdered oh yeah i never checked the children that's not true after after the kids are asleep they're asleep yeah like i would check like maybe once every hour just like if i thought i heard the pitter patter of little footsteps i'd be like okay is this a child or a rat let's find out after i put the kids to sleep i literally never checked I mean, I would listen to see if they were out of bed. Oh, yeah. But I was always I, listening. I had the TV on super low. Yeah, but I wouldn't, like, go into the bedroom to make sure that they were still, like, in there asleep. I'm I wouldn't like, go in, but I'd open where the could door they and have look. Gone? <laughs> well, based yeah. on these well, stories. Story. Yeah. <laughs> Heavens. So, so, oh, God. Um, presumptuous, do you think they'd go to heaven? I mean what could they have done in their short lifespans that would send them to a place where Hitler's hanging out? You've never hung out with a kid for that long. <laughs> oh, yes, I have! <laughs> anyway. Yes. Um, so folklorist Gail DeVos writes, quote, the most frightening aspect of this legend is that the babysitter is not, control- not in control at any time. The caller multiplies the anxiety that the babysitter is already feeling as the responsible person in the household. The possibility that this could actually happen is never far from the mind of any babysitter. End quote. Which is true. Yeah. I thought about it every single time I babysat late at night. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. And during the daytime. Just pretty much <laughs> at all times. When If I was babysitting a kid in the daytime, it really wasn't like at their house. We'd usually like go to a park or like it would be at the pool or something. Yeah. Um, but this is another aspect that I was interested in. So the legend also represents the change in technology. In the 1960s, yeah. when the legend began, the popularity of multiple phone lines in homes was rising, and televisions were also commonplace. So it would make sense that um, the legend involved a call f- coming from inside the house that wasn't the one phone line that everyone was used to. Yeah. Um, in more recent retellings, the babysitter is distracted by her cell phone and doesn't check the children. Which, yeah. Yeah, obviously. And then somebody <laughs> slides into her DMs and is just like, have you checked the children? By the yeah, way, right? here's my dick. <laughs> Two nightmares like in one. S- it sounds like an <laughs> SNL sketch. SNL, hire me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as Penn State professor Bill Ellis simply put it, quote, the babysitter is dealing with her own anxieties of potentially being the cause of the children's death. And the, quote, killer upstairs is the killer upstairs to her, as in her mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it might seem like, like because of the uh, widespread uh, knowledge of this story that it's happened a million times. Like, it had to have happened. It's, it's so common that everyone knows... Yeah, this legend nobody just fucking comes up with this shit at this point no but it's actually really hard to find um an actual occurrence of this um the story that i have actually goes all the way back to the 1950s so on saturday march 18th 1950 in columbia missouri 13 year old jeanette chrisman skipped a party with her friends to babysit the three-year-old son of the romack family The little boy was already asleep when Jeanette arrived, so all she had to do was make sure that he stayed asleep. Easy Um, peasy. Yeah. Uh, Decades later, in the documentary Killer Legend, Jeanette's friend Carol said, quote, It was kind of an eerie night. I was also babysitting, and I just felt uneasy. 
end quote. Reports say that that night in Colombia, the temperature was below freezing and it was raining and sleeting. So kind of a shitty night to be out um, babysitting. I, I never wanted to go out when it was like super fucking cold. And I knew at the end of the night, I'm like, oh, I just want to be in my pajamas. Yep. I don't want to fucking be out here. Yep. Though everybody Venus. had a much better stock of tea than I did. So I was like, at least I got my tea. Yeah, everyone was like, eat all the snacks you want. I was like, you don't have to yeah. tell me twice. Yep. Uh, so I only had one family ever say that, and the mother literally was like, you can have any snacks that you bring, but you can't touch any of them in the pantry because those are for our son. And I was like, damn. And then what did uh, our son do? He fucking stole my snacks and ate them. But anyway, I'm not bitter. It was a dark and stormy night. Babysitting stories. Yes. Uh, I once babysat for a family that was um, severely... Uh, kosher and i had food that was not kosher and oh, i had no. eat it on the front steps oh damn yeah so there was i that. thought you were gonna say that the kids got it i was like oh shit no that's not good <laughs> all right so it could be worse like it sucks so, that you had to eat on the steps but it would suck worse if like you gave somebody like a hot dog with cheese on it yeah anyway uh the story's getting uh, pretty rough now so yeah uh, we can only speculate what happened next, but around 10.30 p.m., Jeanette tried to call the police. Uh, Officer Roy McCowan was only able to hear Jeanette's panic screams to come quickly as he was unable to trace the call. I think um, in some articles that I was reading, they said that um, they were like, it was so late and it was like a little short staff that there wasn't anybody to run the boards. Oh, wow. So they couldn't trace it. So they... they really couldn't they didn't have any information to go on they they didn't know how to find her yeah sounds like the 50s yeah so soon after Jeanette's phone call to the police Mrs. Romack tried to call and check in to see how the night was going she only received a busy signal but thought little of it it was only when the Romacks came home around 1 30 a.m that they realized that the busy tone had probably been the phone still off the hook while Jeanette was dead nearby oh shit yeah so jeanette chrisman was raped and strangled to death with an ironing cord oh my god yeah um there were wounds on both sides of her head including puncture marks that appeared to have been made by a small metal instrument and she had scratches on her face and skin under her fingernails oh god um although a garden hose left outside was used to break the window police say that the furniture and light fixtures near the window were totally undisturbed making it impossible that the person had entered that way and the blinds were um those like those little mini blind things the the horizontal ones and we have those in our apartment and you know you can't like you can't like crease those without them going all like fucked up so like there's no way somebody came in through that window and it was right next to a piano that had like some stuff on the top of it and nothing was knocked over like literally the window was broken and nothing else was done right but this is also Um, the 50s people didn't really lock their doors yeah i mean if you if you were out if the like the family was out and you were there babysitting i would assume everything would be like locked up maybe it it never said it in the um in any of the reports that i had seen but um this indicated to the investigators that the intruder attempted to make it look like the house had been broken into when in reality jeanette probably opened the front door for someone that she knew Mm. 
awful. And there were signs of a struggle spread out between two rooms. Um, somehow, the three-year-old boy had slept through the whole ordeal, and was he was found to, in his yeah. room unharmed. Oh, God. Well, I mean, like, that's good at least, but oh, shit. She was a baby, yeah. too. Yeah. She was 13. Yeah. And that was when I started babysitting 13. Yeah. So this is fucking horrifying. It hits home. Yeah. Um, the local police questioned dozens of men in their search to find the killer, and the most likely suspect was a friend of the Romax, who was 27-year-old Robert Mueller. And um, it ended up that the police and the Boone County Sheriff's Department mishandled the case against Mueller. Um, he passed a lie detector test and sued the police department for holding him without a warrant. And although there was a good amount of circumstantial evidence against him, he was never charged for the murder. And to this day, the case remains unsolved. Fuck. Yeah. And there's no way they can get, like, I know you had said that there was skin under her fingernails. So there's no way to get at that now. I, I don't know. But I'm going to read you some of the evidence against Robert Mueller and you're going to be like, how the fuck is this guy not put away forever for this? Okay. So, first of all, he lived less than half a mile away from the murder scene. Not okay. the most damning evidence, but no. weird. Yeah. Um, his wife had called the Chrismans earlier that day to see if Jeanette could babysit for them that night, but was told that Jeanette was already going to be babysitting at the Romax, so he knew exactly where she would be and that she would be alone. Okay, yeah, that's not... Great. Not great. Mr. Romack testified that Mueller had commented on Jeanette's, quote, well-developed form um. and speculated that she was probably a virgin. Well, she was fucking 13 um. years old. So I'm going to say, yeah, the, yeah, she probably, probably? was. Yeah. Uh, how many 13-year-olds did he know that were getting laid? I mean, it was the 1950s, but I don't exactly. think things are that different. Oh, I feel like things were a little bit more different. Maybe that's just me being dumb but i feel like they were a lot less not less sexual but they acted on it less yeah but a 13 year old it wasn't common 13 year olds it wasn't common at all it's not common today it's never common no it shouldn't be no it's not normal they're babies yeah so um mrs romack said that mueller had run his hand across her dress two days before the murder so another inappropriate yeah that's you're married my dude yeah with a child presumably because yeah, they asked the babysitter. babysitter yeah yeah so Mueller was also known to carry around a mechanical pencil uh with a round punch end that generally matched the puncture wounds found on Jeanette's head oh <gasps> yeah so there was that um there were other reports of rapes between the two uh between the two murders I'll talk about another murder later on um, and one of those reports where the victim was raped just two blocks from where Jeanette was murdered, the suspect was said to be wearing a mask. Robert Mueller was interested in the theater and he actually made masks. Uh, so he would be in possession of a mask. At least one. Yes. Um, Mr. Romack had shown Jeanette a loaded shotgun, told her how to use it and left it by the front door. The theory is that Mueller broke the side window, which would scare Jeanette, who would run to the kitchen to the phone. That would give him enough time to enter the house through the front door, get to the kitchen before Jeanette could reach the gun. That's the theory of because there was a struggle between two rooms. So that's the theory of how he got her away from the gun. And Mueller knew that Romack had shown her the gun. Right. Yeah. 
so he knew that there was a gun there and he knew that she knew that there was a gun there so he was like how do i get her away from presumably allegedly how do i get her away from this gun so that i can enter the house and that's what he did allegedly Mm -hmm. so another thing is that mr romack also told the police that mueller at one point told him plainly quote i might have done it and then forgotten it end quote what yeah you just fucking forget is that a is that a confession i hear in the distance (laughs) (laughs) i might have done it and then forgotten it hmm sounds kind of like you did it that sounds like something a child would say when they've done it yeah i might have eaten the entire package of oreos before dinner but i forgot it yeah maybe i what you you found the package under my bed well maybe i did it and i forgot yeah um fucking there were various other rapes um in the columbia area during like in and around this time of um of christmas murder and uh the rapes and murders stopped after mueller left town but then again so did a large number of other young men for the korean war so you can't definitively say but you can speculate yeah yeah and um despite the urban legend there's no hard evidence that Jeanette's killer placed any calls to the romax phone that night um, either from the inside of the house or the outside and that detail was probably left for dramatic effect to the legend afterwards jesus but i don't believe the legend was based on this story okay i think it could have taken liberties from it but right um nothing explicitly said like this is where the story came from at least when i was researching and i I have a couple of um resources that i'll put on the website that i got all this information from right if you know different let me know because i find this very interesting if you know who killed janet let us know because she deserves fucking justice that's so fucked up jeanette jeanette i'm sorry yes fuck i'm Um, awful there was actually um a murder a couple years earlier four years earlier in the same area columbia missouri on february 5th 1946 mary lou jenkins had been brutally murdered in a similar matter to jeanette and there was just two blocks from the romax house so in the same general area yeah um mary lou was also home alone while her mother looked after an elderly couple um that was a neighbor and um, her father was out of town and if mary lou's mother was away they had a plan to signal each other just in case anything felt weird and the plan was to turn on the light and lift up the blinds and place a phone call because they were right next door to each other so mary lou's mother noticed that the lights were on and the blinds were up at the house but she never received a phone call so she thought nothing of it the following morning when she returned to the house she found her daughter dead on the living room floor she had been sexually assaulted and strangled with another electrical cord yeah this definitely sounds like a serial predator yeah so both girls were found on the living room floor sexually assaulted and strangled with an electrical cord that had been cut from the appliance with scissors so not not like ripped or pulled out they it was cut so it seemed a little too close right that i don't know i i personally think it was uh robert mueller but yeah that sounds the evidence sounds really damning yeah 
um, unfortunately, a mentally challenged black man named Floyd Cochran, who had previously um, killed his wife, was found guilty of Mary Lou's murder and was quickly executed for it. So, um, Columbia, Missouri was, um, a very racially charged town during that time. So, um, they had a suspect. I don't even know what type of connection Floyd Cochran had to Mary Lou Jenkins. If he was around that area, if somebody had seen him there, but they were like, Oh, um, a black man who has already killed somebody. Yeah. He probably did it. Yeah, fucking. Yeah, I hate I hate people. This is 1946. Yep, sounds about yeah. white. <laughs> sounds about white. Um, but uh, examples of this legend in pop culture are, as you can imagine, all over the place. The first one that I found was a movie called Foster's Release, and that was in 1971. And it's a 14-minute short film in a classic retelling of the original urban legend. And the film was featured at the Edinburgh Film Festival, um, LA Filmex, and the Chicago Film Festival, among a bunch of others. And in Illinois, it was commonly shown in uh, classes in a home ec class um, to illustrate the concept of responsibility and deviancy. Which... Hmm. I didn't, I mean, they got rid of home ec when I was in high school, but like we had a class called family living No, (laughs) and it was supposed to be something similar, but I was never shown a fucking horror movie during family living. I went to Catholic school, so I wasn't shown shit. No, you were shown the passion of Christ, presumably. Um, I was shown that in around the fourth grade, but I was never shown anything for like sex ed. No. The Passion like, of the Christ <laughs> is a fucking R-rated movie. That's okay yeah. to show to children, but we're not going to tell them anything about sex because they shouldn't know about it until they're married and then they can kind of just figure it out. Figure it out on your own. The Bible God probably says something. Probably. It's a, a how-to. <laughs> Jesus writes a how-to on how to have sex with somebody. <laughs> yeah. That's how you're supposed to learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Through Jesus. Anyway, this has gone off the rails. Um... The next movie that I found um, is called The Sitter from 1977, and it's a 22-minute short film, and it was shot on 35-millimeter film in three days in May of 1977, and the whole budget was $12,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, what would that be today? What year did did you say this was? 1977. I didn't adjust for inflation to see what it would be. I mean, it's still pretty low like to me at least but yeah. that's um, that's pretty you said it was 12,000 12,000 yeah so that would be about I mean fi- it's not a it's not a whole movie it was a 22 minute short film so it it's like a sitcom episode yeah. length but it was about $50,000 $50,800 just over oh okay that's that's pretty that's still pretty hefty for a short yeah. film um, I've been in them that have had no budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it it is hailed as like a classic, just like one right. of the scariest things that came out during that time. And it's still to this day, it has a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. So it's okay. still. Yeah, it loved. still holds up. Yeah. And um, 
later on, like a couple years later in 1979, um, the same writer and director, Fred Walton, wanted to expand The Sitter into a feature-length film. So he uh, shot When a Stranger Calls, the original When a Stranger Calls. Okay, okay, not the shitty Camilla Bell version, okay. No, and the first 20 minutes of When a Stranger Calls is basically a shot-for-shot remake of The Sitter, and it's frequently regarded as one of the scariest openings in horror history. Oh, wow. And it stars film legend Carol Kane, who Uh, you would know from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. We love. uh, One of my favorites, Sleepwalk With Me, a Mike Birbiglia movie. So good. She's in The Princess Bride. She's in Dog Day Afternoon. She's in Annie Hall. She's just... She's she's iconic. She's she is. She's literally iconic. She's just she has huge she's fucking hair Carol and Kane. huge eyes and she's perfect and I love her. You think her. you don't know her but you do. That's all I can yes. say. Like if you've truly. ever seen a clip from When a Stranger Calls, it's literally the first 20 minutes where she's the babysitter. Okay. Like that's the only part <laughs> that I they show. I have no idea. Uh I will post uh, a clip of it or something because it is iconic. You have to see it. Um, but also in the movie is Charles Durning, who was in Death of a Salesman, Tootsie, also in Dog Day Afternoon with Carol Kane. Yeah. Um, and the film's budget was 1.5 million, and it ended up grossing 21.4 million. Damn. So it did pretty well for itself. Yeah. Yeah. What surprised me is when I was looking up uh, information about the movie, the Rotten Tomato score is 38. percent Really? Yes very surprised yeah the audience sounds... score is 49% so that's Did a little bit better Did you not know Carol Kane was in it? Yeah, right. The 38% is only for Carol Kane, only for the first 20 minutes. Mhm. And then the Google score is 91%, which seems about right. Yeah. And then it's got a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Okay. Okay. Uh but I believe when a stranger calls is the one that has the ending where years later um she gets a call while she's out to dinner with her husband and um somebody has pulled the same thing on like the babysitter that she has huh yeah i think that's the end of the movie i haven't seen it in a long time i don't know i truly but don't then, know this i also didn't know there was a tv movie sequel with the same writer director and cast called oh. when a stranger calls back in that's 1993 very rare yeah probably and actually, not gonna be great no it got a rotten tomato score of 57 percent. what the fuck <laughs> better than the original movie <gasps> what it got an audience score of 55 percent, a google score of 93 percent, and how? an imdb uh 6.3 out of 10 so how is this did, doing like, better than the original that's it what? did phenomenally that never that never happens like no what the fuck Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I was very surprised. Um, if you want to know more about it, there's like a Wikipedia page for it. So you can read like the little uh, plot okay. blurb. Um, it looks pretty good. I've never seen it. I didn't even know it existed until researching this episode. Uh, it was like a, it was like a TV movie. So. Okay. Yeah. Back channels. It also came out the year after I was born. So. Oh, makes sense that I didn't see it when it was on TV. I was not yet born. <laughs> no, you were just a twinkle. It, just a twinkle. <laughs> um, and then the movie that you've been referencing, the 2006 Ugh. remake of When a Stranger Calls. And 
it this is not so much it's it's a remake but it's more of an expansion of the first 20 minutes so it's kind of a remake of the sitter because what when a stranger calls the original one was is the first 20 minutes was the sitter where she's in the house she gets the phone calls did you check the children blah 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 runs out of the house um and then the rest of that movie is the investigation into the crime so the 2006 when a stranger calls is the entire time she's in the house getting the phone calls yep yeah yep um so camilla bell is the camilla bell uh, yeah so she was in a little princess and i knew her from rip girls i was about to say she was in rip girls (laughs) she was also in the jonas brothers music video for love bug which is what caused joe jonas to leave taylor swift for her and i fucking hated her because of it i didn't particularly like taylor swift as a result of it either i was like he's mine but i was like you temptress you vile temptress (laughs) i hated her all right then (laughs) yep um other notable actors that are in the movie are Brian Garrity? No. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would be amazing. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Brian Garrity. Um he was in the Hurt Locker and um oh. he was actually the EP for uh the Stanford Prison Experiment. Oh. Which we did an episode on. Yeah. So okay. Look at this coming all around again. Um Clark Gregg is also in the movie. He was in The Avengers and The Usual Suspects, so pretty notable name. And um, the best friend of the babysitting girl is Katie Cassidy, who I know from a little uh, miniseries called Harper's Island, which I will probably talk about at some point because it's not like exactly true crime, but it's like murder mystery in the vein of um, And Then There Were None and it's so fucking good okay um so this movie grossed over 66.9 million worldwide on a 15 million dollar budget damn so it also did pretty good yeah but i'm surprised guess what the rotten tomato score was Ooh, 28 it was nine. Oh, nine <laughs> percent every joe jonas that fan was, just fucking yeah, negged the shit out of it <laughs> the rotten tomato score is is like the critics yeah mean score well, right? i remember yeah and i remember critics fucking hated the movie yeah because the audience score is 44 percent. yeah so that's pretty good and the google score is 88 percent. i th- i think it should be said that one of the best movies that camilla bell has ever done she played a cave woman and largely did not like speak ah she did a lot of face acting. If we're if we're wondering what kind of performance we could expect out of her, I feel like that speaks volumes. Well then, um, it also got an IMDb score or rating of five point one out of ten. So that, that's it, I guess it's mixed reviews. Yeah, to put it the mildly, critics, yeah. The critics' consensus of it was, When a Stranger Calls ranks among the more misguided remakes in horror history, offering little more than a uh, rot, largely fright-free update of the original. Okay. So, didn't really like it. Yeah, no. Same here. But for the release of the film, remember, wait for this throwback, 
AOL Instant Messenger ran ads. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Doesn't TBT. your heart just flutter? Yes. I so feel like AOL- my mom's been reading my messages all over again. <laughs> AOL Instant Messenger ran ads beckoning users to IM Jill 020306. So when they messaged this Jill, um, it was like a bot and it made small talk before panicking after she receives a phone call from a stranger asking her to check the children. She then gives the user the phone number, which was a toll-free 877 number, and asks them to call her. So when the user would call, they would hear an ad for the movie. Oh. Um, also, yeah, very That's a interesting. clever marketing tactic, yeah. yeah. That's why I had to include it, because I was like, that's, yeah, that's fucking awesome. crazy. I've never heard that before. That's very so, 2000s, but, like, it yes, works. Yes. So also around the time of the DVD release, a new screen name appeared, which was Jill 051606. And it was to tie in the DVD release date of May 16th, 2006. And oh, that's Timmy's birthday. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> he shares a birthday with the DVD release of a shitty sequel. <laughs> Love you. Perfect. Tell him. <laughs> Um, so this does not involve calling her, but instead she directs the user to a video security system on the official DVD site where the shadow of a stranger passes by frequently. No, no. This is another early 2000s thing. Um, MySpace also ran an advertisement. Oh man. Wasn't allowed to have one of those. (laughs) Uh, the profile for Jill 051606, um, the users could add... Uh, the profile as a friend, leave comments, and read Jill's blog. So, hmm. just I just got instantly transported to. I wonder if Jill's so blog is memories. still accessible. Can you get onto a MySpace anymore, or are they I all music things? Isn't my didn't MySpace turn into like a music thing? I I honestly don't know. Like I wasn't allowed to have one, so uh, I was I never compelled I to like go back. But. No, I, I genuinely... It's I probably have, like, a really angsty Avril Lavigne song still playing as, like, the unmutable music in the background. Can I be in your, like, what was it, top eight? Top eight? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're in my top eight. <gasps> okay. All right. It's very contentious to try to look <laughs> at somebody's top eight and be like, excuse me, the fuck am I? Yeah. Now I'm lucky if I have eight friends. I'm lucky now if I have eight friends. Yeah. Oh, I see what you meant. I thought you meant now you're lucky on MySpace. If you, I get it now. Never mind. I'm dumb. Hi. (laughs) Oh, I know. Hello, my name is dumb. (laughs) Um. So there's a movie called The Babysitter Murders from 2015. Very creative title. Oh yeah, it's a 22 minute short starring Caitlin Custer of Teen Wolf fame. Does she spell her name correctly? No, with a C. What a liar. Okay, let's keep going. Yeah. And Ben Hethcote, which I didn't uh-huh. see anything that I recognized him from. Um, Hang on. I'll let you know. Uh, all right. Uh, it won both the jury and the audience prize for best short film at the Stanley Film Festival and best director for a horror short at Fantastic Fest. And it was a... Ri- the Babysitter Murders was actually the original working title for John Carpenter's Halloween. That's really funny you say that because that's what kept coming up. And I was like, what the fuck? This isn't what I mean. 
No, Babysitter Murders from 2015, and the guy's name is Ben Hethcote. Yeah, and he's in, you're right, he's in nothing. <laughs> nothing that I recognize him Most from. of the things that he's in don't even have posters. All right. So that's uh, not to not to shit on him or his career. I am simply saying he's probably not in anything anybody would know. Yeah. But Just, it got an 8.5 go. out of 10 on IMDb. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Lots of these, like the, the next one that I found, which is called The Babysitter and the Man Upstairs, and it was from 2016. It's another short, and it was 10 minutes long. And it's got a 4.6 out of 10 on IMDb. So lots of these movies, I think, do better as shorts than uh, full feature-length movies. Mm-hmm. Because that's what the remake of When a Stranger Calls was. And it's kind of like you're dragging it out a little too much. Yeah, that's so fair. I think, like, 22, 25, 30 minutes is, like, the prime time to tell this legend. Yeah. <laughs> in, in visual format. Huh. Um, but another thing that I, I wanted to talk about was there was an Indiegogo campaign by filmmaker Lorenzo P. Adams in late 2015 for a movie called Ominous, and it was supposed to be loosely based on the Jeanette Christman murder and the legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs in general. And it looks like it closed only reaching 22% of its funding. So I don't think it's happening, but it was the only, maybe Yeah, It it was in 2015. Yeah, they may be able to make do with that. Yeah. But it was the only one that I found that directly mentioned Jeanette Christman's murder. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make mention of that because all these other ones just kind of take the babysitter and the man upstairs legend and like don't mention uh, the act like an actual case that it happened. Right. And then the last one, which we've talked about a ton of times before is the documentary Killer Legends, and it's from 2014. And the documentary filmmakers behind Cropsey, who was uh, Joshua Zeman and Rachel Mills, they cover four different urban legends, and one of them is the babysitter and the man upstairs. They also cover the uh, the hook legend, which I had talked about, the uh, man who killed Halloween, which you had done an episode for yeah. last October, I think. And... Um, I think John Wayne Gacy might be on there, which we're going to get to. Yeah, it's 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 in the works. It takes a minute. It's in the works. Yeah. So they actually go in depth with the Jeanette Christman case and interview friends and people from the area. So if you want to know more about that, um, I also got a lot of the information about um, Robert Mueller from that documentary. So I think they're kind of on the side of Mueller probably did this yeah yeah aren't but we all <laughs> aren't we all um so that's it for me damn son yeah that's a lot yeah it is like, i was actually very surprised yeah it, it seems many. like like when you read the original urban legend of it it's literally like a tiny little paragraph and to see that it spawned all of this crazy pop culture stuff like all these movies and everything it's pretty impressive right yeah no that's pretty great like it's but not great I, that it happened in real life but it's pretty cool that it's transcended it's, time yeah but it's also like not 
like how many people do you know know Jeanette Christman? Like, oh yeah, no. But I feel like, like people no should one knows because this if we're case. gonna if we're gonna say these stories, we should know that it comes from at least in my opinion that it comes from a person, a real place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. So that is all I got for you today. Okay. So if you want to see um, any of the links that I used as resources or um you want to do your own research and get back to me if you find any more details um you can find all that information at crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com you can also once you're there find all of the links to our social media which is instagram facebook twitter uh our patreon link is there if you want to join our patreon you can join for as little as a dollar True. or as much as however much you're feeling or as much as very many as very many and we have so many different kinds of rewards that you can get True. and be a part of and it would mean a lot to us so yeah and it's i think tax deductible it's if you really care about not. that sort of thing i believe donations are tax deductible like these like donations that. because my friend has a if she's got an indiegogo campaign that's currently go going and she was saying like on her facebook page oh and this is tax deductible so donate so Fun i'm times. assuming that means us too <laughs> cool yeah yeah so do the patreon do follow it. us on all the social medias follow it and just get ready for another episode because we ain't done yet because it's still october spooktober spooktober thanks yeah. for listening and yeah, we'll see you, you very many. next time Ugh. bye bye, bye.